Hey guys, welcome to episode 126 of the JV Club with my final Boys of Summer guest, Mr. Keegan-Michael Key. I'm so thrilled to wrap up the summer of incredible uh, interviews with uh, some of my favorite guys, although I will say too that there are um, many, many, many uh, guys that I you know, discussed it with, as I've said before, and hope to revisit with uh, next summer. But this has just been such a treat um, to uh, to be able to do this. And uh, thanks again, you guys, for those of you who enjoyed it. I think I only literally had one person say they they didn't like it. And hopefully it's been, listen, tolerable um, for that listener. Uh, so I'm actually kind of front-loading these intros because I am getting ready to leave for Scandinavia for a couple of weeks. I'm so excited. Uh, for those of you who listen to the podcast regularly, I feel like it's come up more than once that that's kind of been at the top of my list of places I haven't been yet. So I'm very, very excited to go there. Um, and uh, I guess if anyone has any strong recommendations, they can uh, email me on the Facebook page and let me know. It seems like I'm definitely going to be going to Copenhagen and Stockholm, probably also Oslo and Helsinki and maybe Tallinn. Uh, okay. So, but anyway, I wanted to get these intros out there. So I don't have shout outs prepped because uh, I just recorded the Dave Holmes intro and did some shout outs, but I will catch up on all of that when I get back. And uh, I hope everybody has a great couple of weeks. I'm going to record the intro for my first lady back. It's an episode that I recorded before the summer started. So I've been sitting on it for quite a a while. And uh, I hope you guys enjoy that one too. Uh, That took me a really long time to swallow just then. Uh, And I will, uh, I'll talk to you guys soon. Okay, bye. Now entering Nerdist.com. Right, great. All right, great. All right, great. All right, better than good. All right, not too bad. Not too all right, bad. All right. Okay. <laughs> this is going downhill. This is going downhill marginally slowly. <laughs> <laughs> we started at like content, slight enjoyment. Yeah, it, like it wasn't. Ec- we didn't start like at ecstasy. Disturbed. We only started yeah. at, at at better, a little better than good. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> I have a little stomach bug anyway, so that's what's going on. Oh, God. You brought your stomach bug over here. That's awful. That's awful. No, he likes it. I let him out every now and again. So he can just... No, he'll be back. I just let him go around. He'll maybe hang out with the dogs for a little bit. Like a a worm? Like a tapeworm? Yeah, like a tapeworm, yeah. Oh, that's your Do you have sugar cubes? Do you have sugar cubes and a glass of milk? Because I'll be right... I do. Is that what tapeworms love? A little sugar and milk? Someone told me something really graphic that I'm not even sure I want to share because it makes me gag when I think about it, about how one can extricate a tapeworm. That's like a... I don't know if that's a... It's probably not an urban legend, but isn't it like you put raw meat near your buns? Something like that. (laughs) Or I'm saying you can go the long way around and sit with a bowl of milk, apparently, Uh that has a piece of bread that's soaked in it and sugar. And then apparently you just stand there, mouth agape. Are you serious? I think that I'd must rather have be it come out my butt. Oh, absolutely. If you had to choose. Why would I not? Have... You don't want to feel something wriggling coming out of your mouth. No. I mean, it's horrible either way. Either it's way, a it's horrible. Situation. But so, so, and I'm so, not looking forward to getting so you know what? Of mine. The, listen, I'll take the road less traveled. <laughs> if, 
if I may. Technically, so. you're not wrong. Technically, you're not wrong. <laughs> if you're a person who's shitting more than you're eating, mm-hmm. you have a problem. Mm-hmm. Then it's, then it's a completely more. different issue. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. But we're also here to talk about that because, as you know, this is a medical podcast. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I'm ready, willing, and able so, to talk about listen. anyone's health problems. Let's I, take our first caller. All right. Oh. So if anybody has anything to say about the sigmoid colon, that's, right. that's, that's right. my specialty. Oh, all right. Wonderful. It's deeper, deeper in the viscera. familiar so, yeah. with the psych psychiatrist Sigmund Colon. Oh, yeah. Maybe I'm... Groundbreaking work he did (laughs) in anal retentive and anal expulsive science, psychoscience. So, yes. See that? See that? Mm -hmm. See that? See? We could just do this all day. We could do this all day. (laughs) (laughs) Or we could do this until six o'clock when you have to leave. we talked about anything. We never talked about anything other... Than bowel movements. That's all we talked. It was a really and not even helpfully. Just no, in no. a riffraff. Half of what we said. Rappy. Half what we said were, were city myths. That's right. That's what I call them. That's city right. myths. City myths. Not, not urban less. legends. Not urban legends. They're city, city myths. myths. <laughs> so much. It, it is. That's very. Light it's a little more dangerous if they're city myths. You think so? Because it, it has, sounds more like a San Francisco thing, like a like a like a sweet gay. <laughs> yeah. Like oh, that's that's a city. That's myth, a city honey. myth. Don't oh, come on, sweetheart. You I, don't know that that's a city myth. <laughs> Let's get it together. Yes. Um, that's what I hear. I don't hear threat. You don't hear like threat. Do you, hear, you, hear whims, you hear whimsical tale that's a little naughty. I, I do. That's what that's you hear. exactly what I hear. I hear, I hear flittering glittery. <laughs> flittering, <laughs> flittering glittery. Oh, my God. That's the first time I've ever heard those two words together. I'd certainly and I make up words them. every day. <laughs> The flittering glitter, the flittering glitteries, almost sound like they could be a sports that's team. A, that that a, could be a sports team, but only from San Francisco. Yeah. Oh my god, do people do that ever? Do people say like, "I've got something for you"? Oh, I've got something for you. Use it. Use it on your show. Yeah. I've got something for you. It's I don't. A gift. I don't mind if people say that. It's just when they when they're presumptuous and they say, "Use it." Not, not. You could use this if you want to. Like it's yours, yeah. no big deal. If they say it's yours, no big deal. Forget it. Right. If they if they keep prostrating yes. themselves yes. as they're giving their idea, that I'm like, oh, that's sweet. Yes. But when they go, use it, I'm like, <laughs> you've just guaranteed that I absolutely won't use it. Guaranteed. You owe it to comedy. <laughs> How dare you think about not using it? If I have, I'm checking back with you. If yeah. I haven't seen it. In yeah yeah oh I have friends like that that's really funny. not friends so much as acquaintances like that it's just like I just don't know why you're not doing the show oh. well it's probably because of the three shows that I have to do is correct maybe why I'm not doing your show Cor- at this particular moment correct. in time yeah correct yeah that yeah, that sounded horrible I mean the problem is no but the thing is is that and I'll just uh, exercise my own guilt demons about having you on the podcast but I really am so excited that you're doing it uh, is is that you're so gracious you know what I, I mean you're so gracious that it people want to still ask you stuff. And I feel like in to a much lower degree, because I'm fairly busy also, I also have that problem sometimes. Like I want to say yes to as much as I possibly can. And I don't want people to stop asking because I feel like that will be a reflection of something in me that has changed over. And I don't want to feel like that. You know what, Janet? That's it. That's actually nails it on the head more than anything else. So my poor wife... Who has to like like right now? You know, I said I'm going to be home at six. Now, she, my wife, I'll be quite, quite honest. My wife does not know I'm doing a podcast right, right. now. She goes, but you're not getting paid for that. Right. So why are you doing that? Right. And I'm saying right. because it's the thing because that's something I want to do. Right. You know, and 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 um, but but I'm with you. It's it, you're, you're. It's not about them never asking again. It's about them reflecting that there's this change in me that yeah. I've gone. Oh no, I'm too big, quote unquote, to do that. Right. Or my time is more valuable than that. Or my time, or what's even worse is my time is more valuable than that person's uh, honest energy. 
like their right. honest effort. Right. And so you're right. It's hard. I am a, I am really bad at saying no. Yeah. Really, really bad. Yeah. And and what you just said is more to the point than what I tell myself it is, which is, hey man, hey man, you got to make hay when the sun is shining. Hey, this is what this is where we're at right now in our lives. Right. And if people are making offers, you got to say yes because you we're a struggling actor for something. No, that's not what it is. It's much more deeply psychological yeah. than that. Yeah. 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 Well, goddamn us both. Look at I know we, straight we're yeah, to hell. straight to hell. What are we gonna do? What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? I got I lucked out because you happen to live nearby. Which is right? Wonderful. Yes, exactly. I'm like this is Very on my way convenient. home, so yeah. I could unguilt half right. the guilt to that's do right. it. Yeah, traffic. Right. Listen, it could be that if you were still in the car right now for some reason, it could be construction. A, Construction, an errant coyote. That's right. Anything, the especially where we live. Down for that, do they? What's that? I feel like people would be like, and then I just hit it. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. another coyote that's not going to eat my poodle. Well, yeah. This city's replete with SUVs as it is. You wouldn't even yeah. see them no, or feel them if you, you hit him. You wouldn't. You Why wouldn't. do people in our neighborhood now? For anybody listening to this podcast, they don't know what kind of a hilly, one might even say mildly mountainous area that yes. you and I live in. Yes. Don't buy. Small dogs. Don't buy them. And other thing, don't buy cats. Do not buy a cat with the purpose of having an outdoor cat in our neighborhood or you won't have a cat. Oh, my God. No, who does? I know. I still see like wandering cats with collars that are outdoor cats up here. And I think... You're just a. Li- I see. It's almost like I'm a cartoon. Like a, a, in a cartoon world, I see like a ham instead of a. Yeah, right. You know what yeah, I mean? it takes yeah. Or the place a sucker. A, cat. a sucker. Well, the person is a, a sucker, sucker, and the sucker is walking a small <laughs> butter-basted ham. I'm not even sure what a butter-basted ham is, but that's but, but that's how delicious southern. it looks. Delicious and southern, especially to these southern coyotes. <laughs> Look at this little ham. It's got shorter legs than me. I know. I don't know why people do it. One of the scariest experiences I have had in this house, and it didn't even turn out to be as, you know, what I'm about to say, like that implies that I heard someone being eaten. That's not even the case. But there was, I awoke one morning around like 7.30 to the most blood-curdling human scream I've ever heard. Human scream. Human scream. And it didn't subside it wasn't like a one time sh- like a like a surprise scream it was screaming like no no to the point where i was like i'm hearing someone watch someone get murdered or i'm hearing someone being murdered yeah 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 and i bolted out of bed ran out onto the deck and like looked down to see what was going on and by the time i had sort of like you know jolted myself awake enough to even do that the threat was over a woman was sobbing holding a small dog talking to another neighbor who had gotten there faster because it was down the hill and you know it's a uh, canyon so everything echoes so i could hear her as if she were standing as if you're standing next to you right like i had my dog off leash first of all first of all had your small dog off leash and we were walking and i just looked and all of a sudden there was what the coyote right over there and my dog started to run towards it and i just and i was like of course that's horrifying but you created that situation on on. on several levels yeah yeah my i was walking my dogs the other day just walking the dogs dogs i have two dogs and I have a 15-year-old shepherd mix, and I have a four-year-old American bulldog yeah, that's uh, mix. And they... <laughs> I got, I got lustful. I'm sorry. And yeah, I was I like, okay. All right. no, uh, but the, the, the American bulldog, you know, she looks like a pit bulldog, you know, yeah. and she's the sweetest animal ever. Uh, but this guy was, you know, the AAA guy was helping this guy with his car. 
And then this little King Charles Spaniel zips around the corner. He's like, Scotty, hey, you know better. No, no, don't say you know better to dogs. Yeah. You want to know why? You want to know why? Because sure the dogs. They're dogs. Sure. You know better. Mm-mm. Yeah. Mm-mm. He's a dog, and I have a dog. So he runs around, runs right at my dog's face. My dog goes, Hark! and then he goes, Hark! and runs away. Yeah. And the guy, the guy looks at my me. dog and goes, ooh, a fighter. And I'm like, yeah, a fighter because your dog ran full on at my dog. Yeah. That's why my dog's a fighter. Yeah. My dog, who, by the way, is on leash. Yeah. And was just, there's no way this dog was going to hurt my dog. But this dog, this dog charged, an yeah. unleashed dog yeah. charged my unleashed dog. Yeah, I've now, had that on. happen too, where like, a, like do my that. dog will snap at a chihuahua that's prancing around its legs yeah. when he's on a leash. Yeah. And people are like, wow, unfriendly, huh? And you're like, wow, well, let's off leash, huh? Yeah. I mean, I'm unfriendly, certainly under these yeah. circumstances yeah, 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 now, yeah. now that this is happening. I, I, I don't right. understand it. I don't understand. And my friend, my, I have a friend, she has a little uh, Shih Tzu and she walks her Shih Tzu and, and people will be walking the dog off leash and they'll go, it's okay. He's friendly. And my friend goes, it's not because she's not. Yeah. She's not. See, I'm allowed. See, I keep my dog on a leash because I'm not. You shouldn't be afraid of what your dog's going to do, but I am, and I'm on a leash, and it's the law. Yeah. So get your dog on leash. Yeah, and also like dogs have different behavior when they're on leashes, so it's so absolutely it's, so, it's like torture to have your dog on a leash and to have some other dog prancing around not on Correct. a leash. Correct. That's like that's a mean thing to do. Like suddenly you feel bad for your dog. Well, because yeah. you're following the law. <laughs> yeah, and 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 it's and it's both dogs. I mean, both dogs don't know how to handle that situation. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know. Anyway, it's oh my god. We could, once dog again, talk. Butts and leashes. That's what we're dealing with today. <laughs> a lot of the same listeners are into both. Li- uh, into both things, butts divisive. and leashes. No, it's, it's not, not that divisive. It's a very special kind of listener. Let me let me That's... let me acknowledge that listener. Let me segue this away. Did you grow up with dogs? Oh yeah, I've never I've never not had a dog in my life. Oh wow! I think for the three years I was in graduate school. Like a year and a half, we didn't have the dog, and then my roommate bought a dog. I still consider, you know, I go home to Michigan and see my dog. Yeah. So still had a dog, but uh, I, we've never not had a dog. We had a oh, dog when oh. I was eighteen months old, and I've never, and my wife never not had dogs oh, wow. her entire life. Both of us dog people to the bone. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah, how about you? You've always had dogs? No, I never had. Oh, you never had I a never dog. Never had a dog until the dog I have now, who is uh, twelve. So I've had, and I've had him eleven years. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. that's uh, that's a lie. I'm lying. Oh, no, I know I'm not lying. I'm, I'm telling lies. <laughs> but you know what? I wish I, I've said this before, and I really, we won't talk, continue talking about dogs nonstop, but um, I almost wish that he showed age more. You know what I mean? My because 15 year old's the same the way. The same thing happened with my cat when I, because I did, I've had a couple of cats. I, I didn't in general have a lot of pets, but, um, but my cat was 17, but she just didn't seem like it. Yeah. And then when she just died, yeah, I was like, like well, I wasn't prepared for that at all. She seemed the same to me. Yeah, since she, she was six. Two. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yes. But so I, so I sort of lose track of the years because I keep kind of thinking like, well, sooner or later he's going to start. And like, it just, it just never happened. happened. It's not happening. It's great. Yeah, but, that's my guy too. He's yeah. 15. And I'm like, is this animal riddled with cancer? And we don't know it. I, I mean, know, he just. Because they hide it from you too. Well, that's, like, it's natural instinct. Like, yeah. The same thing with birds. Like if a, if a bird, it, I've had birds in my life too. Uh, if a bird looks sick. It's going to die in about twelve hours because they yeah. hide looking sick yeah. because it's a it's a it's a protection it's a defense mechanism. Yeah. Don't look sick, mm. and they, so anyway, God, this is morbid. 
what are we doing? <laughs> I'm interested that you had birds, though, because I feel like I've said this before. I, I I like to call up the marvelous Kathleen Rose Perkins, who has has birds, and um, they're very smart birds. Yeah, and uh, and I always say like I don't feel like a person who didn't ever have birds as a young person is like you know what I think I'm gonna get. <laughs> I don't think that people. I don't think people like adult people sort of on a whim go become bird owners. We and maybe I'm wrong about this that. is but that's that's my bird journey. My roommate <laughs> had my roommate had a cockatiel. My roommate in graduate school had a cockatiel, which he had had through college. Mm-hmm. And then he got the cockatiel and then all of our other friends who were our other fellow students, like th- two of them got cockatiels. Yeah. And then or three of them might have gotten cockatiels, the th- <laughs> three of the girls. And um and then the cockatiel died, and my roommate kind of went on like a, he had a little like a breakdown, a little Ooh. bit of a breakdown, and then it got weird. So then, for a little bit of time, we were living in like a six hundred eighty square foot apartment, and we had four parakeets, two conures, a parrot, a ball python, a Chinese water lizard, and I'm skipping an animal. Doctor Doolittle. Yeah, it was Doctor Doolittle's. Yeah, we were Doctor Doolittle's. What doctors do little? And, and the, do- the the doctors. Do little, yes, <laughs> but trust me, we did not do little. <laughs> I we know, did a that's lot. A lot of maintenance. And 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 then and then he kind of was like swapping out birds. So then he'd have this like a cherry topped conure, and then we like he never had like a huge. Africa, a conure is just a South American parrot. Okay, you must have known that. I feel like yeah, yeah. I had a blank look about the conure. Like That's a, a, the one like thing I don't know. Lorikeets and parakeets and chirakeets are different. You know, these things are conures, and they're from. It's different. It's just a regional thing. Parrots are from Africa. Conures are from South America. Okay. So, but we had these these uh, reptiles and birds in our house. So he came about being a bird owner. Now I never owned any of these birds, mm-hmm. and he became a bird owner as he went. You know, as an adult. So, like I think his cockatiel. The first one he had, he got when he was eighteen or seventeen. Yeah. But you're right. It's just, it, the other thing is birds are a huge, huge responsibility because if you, you have to put birds in your will, yeah. Because yeah, if you're yeah, in yeah. your twenties or thirties and you buy a bird, your bird's going to outlive you by forty years. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that crazy. Because I heard that. I think it was like a This American Life episode. There was a woman who had this African gray or something, or yeah. maybe it was even a louder bird than that, like a minor or something. And um, it was just her and that bird, and they were so bonded. And then when she fell in uh, love yeah. and got married and oh, had kids, oh. her whole family hates that bird. Oh, of course they do. The bird's the pissed. The bird hates them. Yeah. And is loud and horrible and shrieky. And and even like the even the, the reporter asking her, I wonder if I've talked about this before, so I was fascinated by this episode. Uh, but the but the report even the reporter when they asked her like what kind of sound does so what kind of sounds you know the kids are I'm listening to the kids complain about this bird what kind of sounds does the bird make that are so bad and even she is like I mean they're dreadful <laughs> even she loves the bird it's like I it's mean, un- I think she even said like I it's mean, un- it's unlivable it's un- it's unlivable <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's really living with this bird it's it's it's, it's a tenant it's not a tenable situation we yeah. Uh, can't. yeah no they're, they're, I have a very dear friend who used to do the, our makeup on Mad TV and she has um uh, like four birds and they're and they're I love them and there's one that doesn't want you nearer. They're they're all different um, cockatoos, like a Victoria cockatoo and an umbrella cockatoo. And then she has this beautiful, gorgeous macaw, and he is loud, mm-hmm. loud. Mm-hmm. And then she has a gray, was it Cameroon, an African gray, 
and it was her grandmother's or maybe no was it her grandmother's or was her ex-husband's grandmother's and one day i was at her house what's that it's just great that's just so amazing i I love them i just just don't think think about that though but the idea that you would will a bird you have to will it yeah you know someone's gonna take care of that if you take care of your bird it's going they live 80 years yeah so it's going to outlive so you. And so she said, you know, but I remember we were, we were sitting in her living room one time having a conversation. And I said, we're, I said, I think she was still married at the time. I said, your husband, he's not here. And she goes, no. And, she, and I said, is that, oh. And I said, I said, because there's clearly not an old woman in your apartment right, either. And she right. went, no, that's, that's the African gray. And I said, so that's weird when you hear an organism speaking in the I voice know. of your dead mother-in-law. Oh my god! In your house, just or grand so grandmother-in-law yeah, or whatever was sure. you know, and there, it just sounded like we were having a conversation in the living room. There was just an old lady muttering to herself in the living room <laughs> into the dining room, and I'm like, oh boy, that's something else. Oh my yeah, because yeah. and especially those grays, they're so smart. Yeah, they're so, so smart. smart. It's really crazy. Oh yeah. Oh my god. Problem-solving skills and it's yeah, yeah it's crazy. Yeah. Like you had, like it, what I'm taking away from this is that you had a bird doing your homework in grad school. You kidding me? Absolutely, right? I had two birds. Take two birds. advantage. All I wanted to do, Janet, was act. I don't have time for all this, <laughs> all this time for this theater history. What are we? I mean, you know. <laughs> oh my god! Well, and so, so you had dogs, did you? And your and and thank you for covering the Michigan part. Um, siblings. Yeah, long story that t- would take about three podcasts. Yeah, I yeah. have eight brothers and sisters. Amazing. Um, halves, some uh, halves, half, so lots steps. and lots of halves. Okay. Uh, 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 I, I'm adopted, so I grew up with one sibling. Um, and then when I found my biological family, four there, and then uh, on my mother's side, on my biological father's side, two, and then my and here's okay, I, I st- forty three years, and I still have. Well, let's say okay, I've been talking about this for about thirty eight years, right? Thirty seven years. In 37 years, I've not been able to figure out the most uncomplicated way to say right. this. My eighth sibling is a cousin um, from my adoptive family, not related to my biological family. So my, gotcha. I had my, my, the man who raised me, his sister uh, had two kids, and she gave one of her kids to my dad and my stepmother okay. to raise. And so they were guardians of mm-hmm. that kid, and then my dad passed away, and my stepmother adopted the child mm-hmm. so she's technically mm-hmm. my sister if that makes sense yeah it does make yeah, sense yeah 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 it's just I feel maybe you have gotten maybe you've gotten further into I, I may be, un- I may be further along than I thought I was thought, yeah um so it's it's one of those situations where where I have an, a, a very very large extended family mm-hmm. and um and then siblings I don't know and uh who I've actually just in recent times been I'm just kind of gonna reach out one more time in my life now i think it's time i can do this if i want to mm-hmm. and and find these other two siblings and see what you know where that goes so we'll see but it's eight there's eight of us all told that's amazing and yeah yeah yeah, yeah. but i only grew up with one my, right. the cousin the adopted cousin right and my brother who i grew up with and yeah. how, how where's your brother fit into the age range of- well he's the he's right under me so okay. so my parents adopted me and then had a baby mm-hmm. which so- i was just saying that with someone else that i think i even podcast that like it seems like that happens a lot right the people it end does up... it, a lot more now oh yeah when Dave I was Holmes. A kid. that he i think he was his his oh. older siblings are adopted and then they ended up having him yeah 
Yeah, our, lo- like, our oh, location, yeah, our locations yeah. manager on, on Key and Peel, she's got two ad- adopted brother and sister. You know, not, she's yeah. born to her parents, and these kids were adopted. Yeah. And uh, my case is a little rare. You don't adopt first and then have necessarily. But my parents, they knew they could have kids, so they were going to do that. The plan was to have four kids, two adopted kids and two biological kids. But anyway, he and I are 18 months apart. And we grew up together our whole lives. And, um, and then our cousin was adopted into our family. 12 years ago, maybe? Yeah, 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 yeah around that. God, immediately, and it's funny because I feel like I haven't had the conversation. I'm glad you brought up, don't pay any attention to me. I just realized I have to take my thyroid medication. I'm so sorry. got to take your thyroid medication. Um, guys, I'm on thyroid medication if I haven't told you that already. <laughs> uh, it's keeping me alive. She's <laughs> in the midst, she's in the midst of getting her pills. She's coming, um, she's getting her thyroid medication as we what's, speak. What's keeping me alive, otherwise I'm going to drop dead. That's not true. Um, that, would, it, but, that would be horrible yet eventful. Wouldn't it? Um, you can tell everyone I got eaten by a coyote if you don't mind. Uh, so, um, but so my immediate question, and I'm sorry if you've had to answer this a bunch, but unfortunately, this is kind of the nature of this podcast. Is in that time frame, obviously, how open were your parents at how at how young of an age about the fact that you were adopted? Oh, my parents are social workers. Mm -hmm. So as soon as they thought I could comprehend Mm -hmm. it in some degree, Mm -hmm. they they started to we started to deal with it. So three. Mm -hmm. They told me when I was three Mm -hmm. and they told me again I was five and then six and then seven and you know, you go out and buy a book, you know, why was I adopted? These books and so this has not ever been this has never been a grand secret in the life of my family. This has always been a very open thing in Mm -hmm. my family. Was it something that you because it wasn't a secret, um, because it isn't this thing that becomes this mystery that must mm-hmm. be solved, mm-hmm. or um, does that come along with it a sense of casualness about it for you as a child that you eventually would find your family, or maybe you wouldn't, or maybe you didn't care for a while and then you did? Like, I, what was that all about? I think it might have been the. It might have been that. It, it, it kind of went in and out of my life more than anything else. I think that my mother did not push. She said, I know who to contact if this is something he wants to do, but I'm not going to push him. And so she didn't. And then when I was 18, I wanted to do it. And so we got some non-identifiable information about my biological mother. And then when I was 25, we there was a law passed in Michigan that allowed a, a person known as a confidential intermediary mm-hmm. to look for your parents. And they have carte blanche to all the files from the time that you were born, where you were born, the hospital. It, it, it then ends up being so much, so, so much easier situation to deal with. Mm-hmm. And this is the '90s as opposed to the '70s, where thing, things had changed enough, quite, quite, quite a lot actually, not enough, quite a lot. And so it had been something that had been in my mind because I think there may be, without me being able to articulate it at this moment, some kind of biological imperative where you want to know where you come from. Mm-hmm. Um, it's important to people, I think, well, that's adoptees. What I, wonder. Yeah. I mean, I'm fascinated because I feel like, I mean, I can only speak as somebody who I'm, I couldn't feel more opposite of an adopted child in the sense that I look exactly like if you put a picture of my dad over a picture of my mom and mm-hmm. put them together, and I put, look and give 50% it, and give it long this, hair. 50% yeah. that yeah. I, I feel like most of my mannerisms, likes and dislikes, like, I feel so much a product of those two people mm-hmm. in and they I didn't grow up with them together at all mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so I was also able to see like oh I'm not, like I'm I, I see a hint of my mom in this which is so different than my dad because they're so different it just felt like there was like you could spotlight these different traits and qualities sure. and so I'm so interested in what it would have been like to be a person experiencing 
only one of two, not nature and nurture, but but sort of just seeing nurture separated from nature and not and kind of wondering what your identity, like how it does tie to your identity and whether you felt like, oh, I wonder if this is something that's, you know, this thing about me mm-hmm. is connected to my family, my genetic family versus this thing about me that I developed through the relationship I have with my parents. Do you know? You don't think about it as a child. I guess that's a pretty complicated. I, I mean, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, for for a child. I mean, you, it's it's something that your your children, your, your your parents are spending so much time trying to drill into your head. We picture because you're special. We picture because you're special. We picture because you're special, and um, you get to a point, and I, it, it, it's usually in your formative years, twelve to fifteen, around in there, where um, I think you do start to wonder those things. What? Now, am I, do I have a natural sense of humor? Am I gregarious because my parents taught me to be nice to other people? Or am I gregarious because it's in my genes? You know, you start to wonder those things and you don't have any resources to give you an answer. So yeah, that becomes a very important part of some people's lives. I think it's horrible when people don't tell their children they're adopted. There are people who don't tell their children they're adopted, which blows my mind. But I, I look, I get it. We're afraid of what we don't know, and so we don't. So you just—I don't know what that is. I'm going to ignore that. I'm not right. going to put any energy into that. I'm just going to do what I can do as a parent. Right. As soon gotta, as he came into our lives, he became our, our child, child, and yes. everything before that doesn't matter. Well, well, not maybe not to you, right? But but but, but it's there is like I said, I think a moral imperative that has to be dealt with and has to be um, confronted. And um, I said moral imperative, a biological imperative, and and I, so for me, there. You know, I'm very fortunate that those questions were answered for me. I mean, to be standing in a place with your biological mother and your and your adoptive mother, to be able to stand in between these two women, and one of the women look at the other woman and say, yeah, well, he certainly didn't get that from me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It brings you a certain type of wholeness in your life that, 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 that if you're not adopted, you can't have an understanding of. Right. And and um, But I think a lot of people don't know that that's a thing they can pursue or don't want to pursue it, or 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 have convinced themselves I don't need to pr- pursue it. I, I shouldn't say that. That's pejorative. I don't mean that they're missing something. I'm just saying look, if they don't want to know, they don't have to know. I have a fr- another friend who's adopted who has no interest in finding his biological parents whatsoever. He has in so much. He's told me in so much that he's used the actual words. If I ever met my biological mother, I'd kick her in the head. Mm. Now that's because his parents. Right. He doesn't have a lot of respect for his mother. His father's a very distant, cold man who's all business. And he goes, I don't like my life emotionally. And if you hadn't given me up for adoption, I wouldn't have to deal with this. Right. So I get it. I get that. Yeah. I get that. And, you know, my life has been, my parents have done, they, all they did was try to be selfless and try to help me as best they can. And so everything turned out great. So that's easy for me. So it did you out ever great. lean on that as a as sort of in a, in a crisis? Did you ever as a as a as a as a hormonal teenage boy? Did you ever like have those moments with your parents where that entered into the equation or an argument in a way that it wouldn't with a biological oh, son yeah. or daughter? Oh, oh, that's 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 come into conversation. I guess I've you used, have. You I've, use what you have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, oh, I've used that excuse two years ago. <laughs> In my in my marriage, I use that excuse. You don't understand. I'm a like what am I? I'm a 43 year old man. What the hell is going on right now? You can't use that excuse. Even though you're biological mother for 17 years, you can't use this excuse. And um, and so uh, yeah, it's really it it you know being able to have an experience with my mother, like walking the day I met my mother uh, at D- Dallas Love Field in 
Dallas, Texas. Um, I was leaving the airport or walking out like down the, out of the terminal of the airport with, and my girlfriend lived in Fort Worth, Texas at the time. So she came with my mother, which had been interesting for them to meet there. You sure. know what I mean? And yeah, no kidding. It, wow. Crazy. And we're walking through the airport and I don't know what I expected. Like I expected there'd be a ticker tape parade for me or something uh-huh. like that. Or where's Oprah? You know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, and my mother was just standing next to me, and she's just as intense as I am. And we're walking down the street, and, and she just kept on grabbing my shoulders and going, "You're so stinking handsome," <laughs> and, and which was very sweet of her to say. And and then I I can't now I'm doing this for the podcast, but only you can see this. So I don't I don't do this a lot. Like with people's noses itch, I itch, I I self itch. So mm-hmm. I go like this. I wiggle my nose. Uh-huh. So I. My nose itched, and I wiggled my nose like this. And then my mom slaps me on the arm, scared the shit out of me, <laughs> slaps me on the arm, and she goes, your Uncle Michael does that. Y- you know. Uh, so it's such a peculiar thing. Yeah. It has to be genetic. Yeah. It can't. That's not a learned behavior. Yeah. Nobody in my family does that. God, I think that's so... It's so interesting because even just the excitement of that is... Oh, yeah. It's interesting because I feel like I have a little bit of that now in my life with my mom's sisters because I didn't grow up really knowing them Mm -hmm. and now that I'm more a little more connected to them as I get older it starts to feel more important like things that I remember rolling my eyes at when I was in my 20s like I'm not going to care about that you know they're fine but and now things about like my my aunt's cadence or things that sound or, or seem so much like my mom I get this tiny little thrill out of like god they are such siblings because i'm an only child sure and so i can only imagine the sort of discoveries and the moments and that feeling of connectiveness that almost is like a high but in a great way oh definitely because it's because it's exciting and it's it's so new and it's so new but it's so old do you know what i mean it's like connecting with newness with oldness in a spark oh yeah it's very well, it's all very anthropological, isn't mm-hmm. it? And to, and that's a fascinating thing. And 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 you just you just get to finally. Well, it takes a long time, but you eventually get to a place where you get to take things for granted that everybody else takes for granted. And uh, it's funny. My my mother said to me one time. I think I I don't know. Maybe I'd known my family for five years or six years or something. And I got a Christmas card from my grandparents that didn't have money in it. <laughs> and my mom said, now you're part of the family because now the rules apply to you like they do to all the rest of... My mom was the oldest of seven. Uh-huh. And and of the seven, six of them had children. And so she said... She said uh, all of my children and your and all of your cousins, you know, there was like a cutoff age, which I believe was 18. And of course, you came into our lives at 25. So I think they just kind of did it for a couple of years. And oh, she goes, but now you're part of the family. You don't so get any money or gifts sweet. either. <laughs> you know what I mean? Wonderful. And, you know what I mean? So yeah. you, 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 now the rules apply to you the way they apply to everybody else. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it is, it was a high. I can't even, that's a perfect way of describing it. I'm trying to think of flower, more flowery language, but there's no need for it. Be- yeah. it but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 Well, what were, so what were you like? I mean, obviously before all of this happened, um, when you were still in high school and you were just kind of the adolescent teenage boy in Michigan who was adopted, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. what were you like? What were you into? Were you into theater really early? Did you get I, it really early? Get the bug? In high school, in high school I did. My, my career, I owe my career. <laughs> uh, this is an interesting kind of you know um, uh, uh, spiritual concept. It's a biblical concept, which is that you know all all things God makes all things turn to the good. 
I'm paraphrasing scripture right now, but it's something to that effect. That's the nature of the scripture, mm-hmm. uh, this sacred scripture. And and the whole thing, it's so my parents, the therapist, the family par- therapist that we were seeing uh, during my parents' divorce uh, is responsible. This man is responsible for me sitting here talking to you right now because I only knew how to express myself in a physical way to him. And how was old tr- were you? 12. Okay. 12. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and, uh, and he pulled my parents aside and said to them, I know that he's going to be going to Shrine of the Little Flower High School, Shrine High in Royal Oak. And uh, so for all of the Michiganders who are listening, mm-hmm. they'll know what I'm I talking about. I got him. Yeah. I got him. And um, uh, I know that he's going to this high school. A very dear friend of mine is the choir teacher there and does the plays there, directs the plays there. And I really think we should get him involved. And if it's okay with you guys, I'm going to tell her about him. Because he, I feel because of what's going on in his life and him being adopted, he's not, he will not voluntarily come out of his shell. It could take another 15 years. And um, so, you know, let's try to, let's just shepherd him in a direction if we can. So he told her, she's not a nudger. She's a grabber. Uh You know what I mean? (laughs) And I remember, you know, being a freshman and walking through the halls and then here comes Miss Rashid and just runs up to me and says, and she says, yeah, um, you're the key kid, right? Fred Olds, Fred Olds. Okay. Well, we're going to get you. We got to get you in the thing here. Okay. And I was like, oh, yeah, well, you'll run lights or something. And then ran away. And then that was all there was to that. And so I was running lights. It's so amazing to have like a direct line back to to that that person. Yeah. To to these people. Yeah. To be able to look. The journeys are important to me because my my mother's journey to the point where she had gave birth to me, my parents' journey who adopted. Because history is important. I can't speak for all adoptees, but I I would imagine if I were to do a study history is important to a lot of adoptees. I'm sure. You don't, you look at your history and go, well, yeah, that's the thing that grandpa did and grandma did that. that. But we, we have, there's a lost ghost history next to our history. And so I think I can't be the only one who yearns to know what that history I'm is. I'm sure not. So, so uh, I know that it's, it's a pain in the heart of my best friend from college. She's also adopted. And, and, and that's a, an, an effective thing. It's a really important thing in her life. So at any rate, um, that's, that was how that started for me in school. And I found a group of friends and I always become the most, you know, the most kind of vocal and loquacious person in that group of friends. And you know, the whole thing, holding court at the cafeteria and all that stuff, everything you'd think, all that kind of traditional, not necessarily class clown, but because of how I was raised, I was raised to share my feelings about things. Mm -hmm. I wasn't raised to be cool, you know? And so it's, uh, all of that, it, it, everything you think about me, part and parcel, is probably true. <laughs> you know, I, you know, I was that guy, and so, um, and I realized once, once I realized that if I wanted to be a veterinarian, it was going to require a lot of math. I'm like, <laughs> gone out. <laughs> nope, not doing the animal doctor thing. Can't do that. Yeah. So yeah, that was, and it's harder. Apparently, harder. You know that for veterinarians, veterinarians are. It's it's apparently their work is harder. Than, than with humans, a, like, especially if you're like yeah. a GP, because then you're dealing with like lizards and raptors. Yeah, and I cats. can't imagine that. And That's eels. such different. I mean, we're talking yeah. about entirely Completely different, different anatomy. Species, yeah, entirely yeah. different anatomy. Yeah, so, I bet. Yeah, so that that's kind of yeah. That's I answered that question, right? Yeah. Were you in student council? No, I didn't. Th- that was it. Like, I didn't do like model UN or student council yeah. or anything like that. I didn't want to run in that way. That that was not my thing. I was kind of, but I'm the you know this is you know I'm, I'm talking about myself, but well, no, I'm the is. guy that goes and sits. I was the guy that went and sat in the booth with the person that no one's talking to because I had a 
horrible childhood. So once I got into high school, by my peers, not my parents. Right, right, right. right. My parents and my parents' friends, they were all psychologists and social workers and psychiatric nurses. Yeah. So you were probably really comfortable around adults at a very young age. Super you comfortable being, around those adults. Those are very inclusive adults and a lot of them are adults who choose to treat children like little people instead of children. Right, right, exactly. Way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In, 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 in a very, I thought, personally responsible way. Mm-hmm, you know, yeah. not just go do what you want. Yeah. Your brain is still forming in your head so we're not going to just let you make any decision you yeah. want. But, uh, so it was that kind of situation. And, and I had a hard time Ages kind of ten through fourteen was rough yeah. because I grew up in a in a city in a very urban area where a lot of children are not taught to express their feelings um, and not taught to be vulnerable and and it, it was rough you know what I mean and so by the time I got to when I got to high school I'm the only person in my life I know who enjoyed high school I don't know anybody who enjoyed high school mm-hmm. I fucking loved high school. <laughs> I loved almost every minute of it. And even when I look back now, I look back at it, on it with relish, like all the heartbreak and the anxiety and asking this girl out and trying to make the track team, all of that somehow, in a way, lots of people look to me as a leader, but I find myself to be a very, very good follower. My, my definition of wisdom is that you learn something from another person by learning it from them. You don't go experience it. Right. You actually learn something from another person, which requires a certain lack of ego. Correct. Do you know what I mean? Correct. So then you have to be able to say, and then other times, and, and also it's, it's, it, that's also uh, nature. Some people are just built a different way. They're like, yeah. nah, nah, I'll, uh, I'll be the judge of whether or not heroin's bad. <laughs> I, can look, I can like 100% tell you that heroin's bad. Yeah. You know? No, I got it. Yeah. There are just people like that. Yeah. So I, you know, my mother told me, you know, this is what's going to happen and life's going to get better. And, and this is scary here and this is going to get easier. And my dad, you know, so I just believed them. They had been right about everything else. They saved my life. So why wouldn't I believe them? Yeah. See, I don't, I didn't have, I didn't harbor that kind of resentment toward my parents that a lot of kids do because that's natural for you to do it because your brain ain't done cooking. Right. So you're crazy when you're a teenager. <laughs> like, you're yeah. literally, your brain yeah. is not done working. It doesn't work right yet. And um, so, yeah, so I had, I, I, I relished just about every moment of it. I really, 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 really enjoyed high well, school. Well, it's so amazing to, I mean, that's, that's the kind of the joyful thing about, and I think for, for people who are, you know, in the age group where, you know, I told you I get these amazing emails from younger people who are still in high school or people yeah. who are just coming into college, but also adults and people who are parents who are kind of looking to mm-hmm, mm-hmm. understand their kids differently or better, or like recalling this time period sort of helps connect them with what their kid might be going through or whatever. But I feel like that there's a there's this wonderful nugget in there with within what you're saying which is um that in that particular circumstance that was the tough age that you were in and then you had this transformative experience where you could be be seen and see yourself in a different through a different lens you know to yes. be given that opportunity and like i think I need to be reminded of that if I'm ever, you know, when, when, because we, because our lives continue on and mm-hmm. although our brains finish cooking to a certain degree, you know, we have this amazing, the gift of never having to be stuck in who we are or our choices or whatever. Right. And, to, and to feel like you can be in a situation where you feel like you're being defined by an environment 
and that can feel like crippling. And oh, to know sure. that you still have that same kind of opportunity if you take it, if you grab it, if you are brave and leap for it, that you can leave your yeah. job where you feel like shit. Yeah. And yeah. understand yourself through in a different way, through a different experience. You know? If you can, if you can, my, my, my best friend uh, has five kids and his oldest is a freshman in high school. And she's going to a high school that's different from a different set of friends. So there's not a bunch of friends that are at this high school. And we just all, now remember, this is a young lady. All of her, she, when she, when her father and her father's best friend see each other, they hug each other and they kiss each other on the mouth. I'm, me, I'm talking about me and my best friend. Right. So she's grown up seeing men share affection, straight men share affection with each other. Right. She's grown up watching women stand up for themselves and be, you know what I mean? She's very fortunate in that regard that she lives in a world where she's seen us express ourselves and love to be together. And, and, and so I, I hope that she believes us when we tell her it's going to be fine. As long as you are your genuine, you, it's going to be fine. Please don't think this is lip service, right? Like it's really going to work. You're going to, because what I'll find is you'll, you'll, you'll find that you're acutely aware, you're, you're acutely equipped to communicate at a really meaningful level with like six people. You only need two friends in your whole life. Yourself and one other friend. I'm a big believer in having friends. You don't need a ton of friends. Now, I'm a hypocrite because I'm a friend collector. But, <laughs> but, uh, but you will, if you are your own authentic self, you'll find other people who fall into, into a category that you fall into that's just very uniquely you, you mm-hmm. and them. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then that's the, those are the kind of friendships you keep forever. Like, I have two or three friends from high school who I've known for 30 years because we share such a similar and, like I said, unique worldview. And so why would you not be friends with those people? It's, it's just so painful to try. And it requires so much energy to try to fit in mm-hmm. to another mold mm-hmm. that's not, that doesn't fit you you know what i mean it's really i i just why give yourself an ulcer you know I what know. i mean you, you know what i mean it's not easy for me to say I, you know i'm not 14 anymore but i try to remember what it's like to be 14 you, you, you know what i mean it just sometimes you feel like you're just gonna burst out of your bloody skin yeah because it's just so crazy the why is everything and because you're just growing too you know yeah. i just it, it, i don't know if this works as much for teenagers but Sometimes I think you have to kind of live by a different, uh, there's a different rule. God, I wish I could remember this guy's name. It's an Indian guy who, who's in politics and talks about, um, in India and talks about things like soft power. Do you know what soft power is? I don't know. Soft power is, if I may be so grandiose, soft power is the thing that made the Berlin Wall fall. We never, we did not attack Russia with nukes. We did not invade Russia what we did is have what we did was we had rock and roll and blue jeans mm. and so the soviet union it it was it was tenuous it was never going to last mm. but they've got freedom in blue jeans and rock and roll i really really want th- this is not working it rotted from the inside out we didn't have to do anything america didn't have to do anything but be happy do you, you know what I'm saying? I absolutely you know, do. That's soft power. Yeah. And so India is a country that utilizes soft power. Now, soft power is a cultural phenomenon that takes place across the world. So certain parts of the world want to be like other parts of the world. And um, soft power is one of these interesting concepts that sits on top of things that can kind of look down at things a little bit. And so this guy was saying, in India, we do things a certain way. And the reason we do that is because we all realized 
there are Hindus and there are Catholics and there are Buddhists and, and there, are, there are people all across this country and we have a lot of problems, yes. But what we've done in India is we've decided not to simply disagree, but to agree in the way that we will disagree. Mm-hmm. And that's, what's, that's a structure, that's a thing that has profound structure mm-hmm. to it, that we will agree on how we're going to disagree. Because everyone knows we're going to disagree. Well, yeah, and there's like an there's a, there's a, an implicit and inherent respect to that. Exactly, that is like exactly. sorely lacking in a lot of disagreements and, it's and hard, environments. It's that hard way. for kids to kind of grasp that concept. But if you can tell a kid, to, if you can teach a kid to look at a thing from a different angle, like understand, young person, that you're growing, and what that means is your brain. Your synapses aren't firing the way they're going to fire when you're 26. If you can even just comprehend that, it's it's like when I don't eat, it's not that everybody I see is an idiot. <laughs> it's that there's a biological thing happening in my body. Yes. Oh, I haven't eaten. That's why I think everyone's an idiot. Yes. It, it's it's so much is not true. Everybody else in high school is also scared to death. It's just that you learned to deal with that fear in a different way than your colleague learned how to deal with that fear. Right. And I feel like if we can teach kids that, there's, there's something manageable about the world in that way. You go, oh, that's why I have to keep remembering. I'm growing. Yeah. I'm still growing. Or that when you feel things happening to your body and you see a girl who you think's pretty or you see a boy that you, that you like, that you're like, oh, I don't want to take romance out of the world or magic out of the world, but it's helpful sometimes to go, so uh, so these two neurological things happen to my brain, and that's why my body's feeling like this. I'm not actually in love. I'm not going to die right. if that person doesn't like me. If you if you're if you'll allow yourself to just accept the fact that there's this other thing happening, there's a biological chemical thing happening. Right. You're still going to throw tantrums. You're still going to think your parents are idiots, but it might be a little bit of salve for yeah. the wound of growing up. Yeah, I agree with you. I definitely think that. Um, I think that's brilliant. I think that there is. I think that you just nailed it, which is you're still going to feel those things. Trust me. You're going to feel You're them. not going to turn into like a science robot who, right. you know, does suddenly loses the ability to feel your heart skip a beat when you see someone. Yeah. You're going to have all those feelings. But it, if it's just this tiny little piece like the Jiminy Cricket on your shoulder. Exactly. Like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Feel. You know what? Feel all of it. Feel it. Experience it. Feel it. Somewhere in there. Know that. There's a lot of reasons this is happening. There's That's a lot of re- yes. I'm just saying that yes. A lot just of this is happening. Yeah, just know that it's happening for reasons that you, just let that ha- just please have that info be in a young person's head sure. for a second. You know what I mean? Sure. And 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 there are going to be those moments too late at night. Mommy, I'm sorry. Daddy, I'm sorry. Where you're weeping. And, and my hope is that parents will go. Parents will say, "Hey, babe, you're growing. You're growing." And this is part and parcel of how this works. Right. This is how this works. And so, because you don't, I mean, I can remember moments when I was 16. I'm like, it's never going to get better. And it's only gotten better. The, 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 here's, I'll tell here, if there are young people listening to these podcasts, here's my thing. The people I pray for, the people I'm really concerned about, really concerned about. And I'm are the super popular kids where nothing goes wrong in school. 
That's they're the not scary learning part. empathy. They're not learning humility. Nope. They're not learning. It's rough, yeah. and it's going to be really rough when you become an adult. I have a family member. I'm going to keep this as, as general, general as, as I can, and anonymous, uh, anonymous as I can. Uh, there's a family member who lived with me and my wife. And this family member and my wife had some issues because this family member was not abiding by the rules in our home. And then this family member, um, after a five-month tenure living in our home, uh, got a job. And then a couple months after getting that job, this family member decided to move back up north to jo- to be with their family. Whoop, almost almost gave the sex of the family member. Nope, um, didn't, didn't, I, get it. I didn't, didn't slip. pick up on it. Didn't slip. Nope, you did it. Yeah. And... And that family member has a parent who has seen their child in distress and, in my personal opinion, dealt with the situation in the wrong way, which was to say, well, my child has a dream, so now I'm going to throw money at the dream and make the dream come true here. So that way my child doesn't feel pain. What you've done is ostensibly masked any life experience that your child could have gleaned from this situation. So, and I read an article about this in a magazine recently. Uh, cool kids in school. Oh my God, it's so horrible because you get four good years, and then you're gonna live for like sixty or seventy more years, and it's just gonna be tougher for you than it is for people who struggle yeah. and learn how to get out of a struggle. Absolutely. And if you don't learn how to get out of a struggle, that's tough. It's. I'm I'm very you know I, when I used to teach um, uh, uh, improv you know when I more readily I, I th- it was always interesting because I'd have it was this is a horrible prejudice that I have I always used to do this like game play this game for myself where I go where I tried to not play the game and, and I don't do the game when the, when the students come in for the first day and the students come in for the first day and if I saw if I may be so bold. Janet, if I saw a girl that looked like you in my class, I'm going, oh, boy. (gasps) This girl is not going to be able to handle these concepts. Because if a girl's pretty, you don't need to learn. Lots of pretty women are super smart, but they never exercise their minds because they don't have to. Because they don't have to. That's the worst. The worst thing in the world is being born a pretty baby. Then being a cute child, then being a gorgeous teenager, and then being a really good-looking person into your 30s. What are you supposed to do when you turn 50? If everything you've ever done in your life has just gotten by on your looks, that's tough. I don't know how one rectifies that situation, but that's, that's, that's an issue. Right. That's an issue. You know, look, I, I don't want anybody to go through anything they don't want to go through, but we have to go through life. We just have to do it. And, and, and so it's funny. That's my feeling. That's my feeling about people who, you know, you've got charm and you just kind of, and everything kind of goes your way. How do you handle an, a crisis? Right. I you know. know. I know. I really, I really agree with that. And I really, I've, it's, I've said it many times, but I just feel like if you can, and for those of you who do write me and say, you know, I am going through a rough patch, this, you know, um, and for people who are able, able to celebrate not being in a rough patch and having been in one that we all sort of can understand that um, you really do benefit from it as 
you hard benefit as from it struggle. seems and as impossible as that seems, you absolutely do. And I would not change anything. That Nothing. I, went through, I, went I, wouldn't a lot, and I wouldn't change anything. It. And, 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 you know, my mother had a cartoon on her refrigerator for years and years and years. And just a person standing at a blackboard. For those of you who are young, a blackboard <laughs> is a thing, right? <laughs> uh, but it's a blackboard that had two columns. And, uh, and uh, in one of the columns, there's uh, four marks and a tick mark, you know, five, which indicates five. And, or no, it was four. It's four. And then on the other side is just a column replete with tick marks. Just five, 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 all over it. And then above, the headings above it say, say, successes, four, and then learning experiences. Mm. And it's just filled. It's pr- probably, you know, 120. And that's what it is. So if you can look at life that way, you're going to win. Right. You win. So, so you, 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 it's just how you frame your existence. Absolutely, and, and if you were, if you, and I, so I, to me, it makes life easier to frame my existence as as learning experiences and successes. Because once only you can give an experience in your life power, power to be a failure, as opposed to the power of it being a learning experience. Absolutely, and yeah. also like I think that the 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 sort of end game of that conversation is that it is all part of the same board, and that it's almost like successes in a way is the overarching because if it's a learning experience then that it's in still and a of success itself is, a, is success. a success that in and of itself is a success yeah. that's true that's a very good way of like putting you need it three columns like maybe you have some abject failures maybe, maybe you yeah. have a couple maybe you have as many maybe a four in the abject failures all the learning, experience learning experiences the middle, yeah and then like four like hey you know what that really just kind of that ca- that just kind of came, came to me it came together really yeah yeah, yeah uh, uh, in the most in the most facile way yeah exactly yeah. and so yeah so so we got to get in touch with this person. I don't know what we got to divide that into thirds. This yeah, is a problem. Gotta, if you're I a have, cartoonist, um, I have really called this out. Yeah. It's a problem. <laughs> well, you've thrown on the gauntlet. We got to really find have. this con- for this cartoonist. I really have. I got. We got to make sure this cartoonist hears this podcast. <laughs> I can only s- listen. We're gonna find this guy. I would say ninety nine percent of my listeners are cartoonists. Okay. <laughs> so very, who like talking about dogs and tapeworms. Yes. Um, I am going to uh, guys. I'm going to keep this uh, short and sweet because. Keegan and, uh, and I both have somewhere that we have to be, and I want to do this mash game really quickly. Um, the smash game. It's a it's it mash mansion apartment shack house. It mm. is a game of a child, uh, but it is how I end each podcast. The mash game. So um, all you need to know at this point is that I'm going to ask you for three things that you just like off the top of your head, super improv. Uh, I'll give you different categories. You give me three things in each category, and um, and then I will tell you which of them you end up with. It's a whole thing. It's, it's a, whole a whole thing. thing. I hear you. But I'm going to start. I'm excited. This. I'm going to wa- I'm going to ask you for three places that you have a vacation home, your ideal fantasy vacation home. Mm. Three places. Uh, Norway. Ooh, I'm about to go there. Hawaii. We'll talk about that offline. Hawaii. And then like um, like um. I don't know why I can't. Sri Lanka. Ooh. Okay, wonderful. Okay. Uh, three 
singer songwriters slash bands, anything like that, that you can, um, that basically create like a soundtrack to your life. Do you know what I mean? Like you're driving, mm-hmm. maybe you're on one of those family drives where you're headed out yeah. to the beach. Like yeah, yeah, what yeah. music, whether it exists or it would be completely comp- like created new for you. Mm-hmm. What's Keegan's soundtrack? Like three, three. Well, like, you know, like, like an all, like an all blues Jimi Hendrix album. Great. And then, believe it or not, The Eagles. All right, love it. So it's just really good road music. Yeah, sure, sure. And I don't know if you know who this guy is, but I love this guy. Um, uh, it's, is it Matthew? Michael Kiwanuka is his oh, name. Oh, no, I don't. You know Michael Kiwanuka? No. He's terrific. I got to check that out. He's great. Okay, I got him. I got him. He's a soundtrack of a life kind of guy. Yeah. That's what I like to hear, because mm-hmm. anything like that, I feel because I feel like music is so important to yeah. me in the way that it sort of has informed and supported my experience of being alive. Oh, no, I, I'm one I, of no, those people. I, right? I'm, I'm with you, and, yeah. and only recently has music become kind of super important in my life again. It hasn't for quite some time, and it is again. It's back, yeah, baby. Yeah, it's back. It's back. Yeah. All right, three foods you can eat at any time. Could be as specific or as general as you want. No physical ramifications. It's mm. just pure joy. It could be as, it could be a cupcake that you had once at a blah blah blah. Mm. Could be like your mom's something that she made that you can't you know. But mm-hmm. at the drop of a hat, snap of a finger, there it is. Whenever you want it, I ate some lamb dish, like lamb and beef dish, in Greece when I was nineteen, and it was it had a name, like it was called the fool's errand or something oh like that my. And, and my friend and i was like this is like the best thing i've ever had in my life and i'd never at that point in my life tasted anything like that so that was that would be one of them another one would be chili cheese fries which is something that i eat when i go home at a coney island restaurant in detroit wonderful and then it would be like like i gotta pick one so i'd say like you know, like not not like a small piece of key lime pie, like a really see now there my mouth started to water <laughs> right as I said that. Like a like a big, thick piece of key lime pie. Great. Not key lime custard, I mean like key lime pie. Got it. Got it and love it. Three movies that you can jump into. It's real life. You're not acting in them. It's but at no danger to yourself, no mm. physical threat. Mm-hmm. You can just dive in and sort of be in that world. Three. Uh 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 uh, the, the the first Indiana Jones movie. So what's yes. that? Raiders of the Lost Ark. Heavens, yes. Heavens, yes. I w- would love to be in. Um. I mean, if I didn't have to be super cold because I don't like the cold, but I'd still like to be in a movie like, like. Did you ever see the thing? John oh, Carpenter's yes, the thing. Yes, I saw. And Kurt Russell, yeah, you know. Oh yeah, like, they just showed it at the ArcLight on the big screen. Oh, did they I've really? Never seen it on the big screen. It's I've so never fun. seen it on the big screen. Yeah, it's so scary. I'd still. love to be in a movie like that yeah. where there's just snow. Yeah, and like you glaciers know what I give you? Never Cry Wolf. Oh my God, Never Cry. No, Never Cry Wolf is the, a better example. Right, that's the one. I love that it's, movie. I the love best. that movie. Like getting waking up and he's naked and it's the tundra, but it's warm enough for him to be naked and the caribou are running around yes. him. Ridiculous. And then and then the third one would be um what is that? Where is that place where the It's um it's um why is not this not coming to me in my mind right now? It's a thing I gotta work on. Is there on. anything you can give me that I can talk you through it? 
like it's funny that I mentioned that Indiana Jones like, like I've always wanted to be you know well you know a perfect example because I love the world is just to be like in a Bourne movie but that's the Indiana right, Jones right, things that right. you get to travel around right, right. Like, who doesn't want to go to Nepal like doesn't know, don't you know, doesn't everybody want to go to Nepal um, and and be in a rainforest in the yeah. same movie you yes, know yeah um, you know what what's the one what's the Terrence Malick movie with uh, Richard Gere Mercy per, oh. Place of oh. Just there's something so yeah. warm about it. It, it it has the same feel As Like living in a farmhouse Like in Field of Dreams mm-hmm. Like that mm-hmm. It has that same feeling What is the name of the dang movie? I don't know We can look it up though um, 1979 Richard Gere Terrence Malick directed it Getting into it right now my director Peter was here. Terrence. He know just like that because he loves Terrence. Oh, Malick. Peter! And I, by the way, love Peter Atencio. Um, here we go. Here we go. Here Heart we go. Tree of, of Life to the Wonder, Thin Red Line, Days of Heaven, Bad Line, Days of Heaven. Is that with New Richard World, Gere? Knight of Cups, Ten of More. Um, well, that's a seventy-eight. That's probably it. I'm, I'm pulling it up. Days of Heaven. Richard Gere. Yep. 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 Days of Heaven. Yep. Days of Heaven. That's. I've never seen it. And it's just like warm and wheat fields and farmhouses like to be in a movie like that love it in the heartland you may oh yes may not Mm -hmm. uh okay three um (laughs) what do i want to do for you three okay you you are in uh i'm 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 really gonna stretch your improv muscles you have written and are starring in a new musical three what is that musical about Three. three, three different ones. Oh, you only end up with one. What is the musical about? Mm-hmm. One of the musicals would be about a man who is walking down the street by himself, like at nighttime in a downtown someplace area, and there's like a pack of dogs, oh and the pack of dogs come and they run at him, and they're being extremely aggressive, and then he just kneels down on the ground, and he just starts breathing very deeply, and they all kind of sit around him. But like they're attacking him, like they're right? attacking him. Right. But then they stop attacking him because he just has this like energy, this gentle energy coming off him. And then it's like he has to take care of the dogs, and he runs with the dogs in the pack. But it's in the city. Oh my god, I love it. And I and see this. and it's like like he's the man dog. Yeah, you know what I mean. Or the dog man. Maybe it's beautiful because that's what musicals dog should be man. called. It's always there something man, the elephant man, the dog man. The dog man. Love that it. It was an image that came to me in a dream one day, and I'm like, I don't know where I would put that in a movie, but I'd love to have that in a movie where they'd like be mouthing him, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And just doing what dogs do, but then he. You know what he uses? Soft power. He uses soft power. That's exactly what he does. Yeah. He goes, Why would you eat me when you could eat these? Yeah. That's you right. know? And the reason that, uh, anyway, okay, so that's what that would be. Okay. Then another one would be, I would write a musical about the people, I would write a musical about furriers and tradesmen and Native Americans, and it would be called, the movie would be called The Straight, T-H-E-S-T-R-A-I-T, and then underneath it in parentheses, it would say Le Detroit. 
because that's what Detroit means. Detroit oh, means the straight. That's great. So it would be like a historical piece about yes. Detroit. There already is a musical called okay. Detroit Be Damned uh-huh. that is about that friends of mine wrote that's about the history of Detroit. Oh my god. It's a fascinating city. And Detroit being damned meaning that the Detroit River got you know, they were like little oh, beaver so dams because there was beaver pelts. Beaver pelts would come to, anyway, that's a history lesson. Oh anyway, my god. But so I'd write it. a music about the history of Detroit. You know, I love like, it. From like seventeen oh one to like eighteen twenty. Love it. And then I would want to do a, a musical about, like, I would love to be, because I probably wouldn't be cast in this r- right now, but something that would be kind of August Osage County-like, mm-hmm. something like in Appalachia, you know what I mean? Love. Where, where people have territory and they live in the hollers and, you know, it would be like, like a redneck Macbeth. That would, be, that would be that kind of musical, you know? Love it, love it, love it, love it. God, what great answers. Jesus Christ. Okay. Um, all right. Uh, next category is going to be um, you wake up tomorrow and Matrix style, you've, your brain has essentially downloaded three skills, or in this case, it will be one, but three skills that you wake up tomorrow and you're just incredibly skilled at that would normally take tons of tons of time. One skill? But three, like three, because you'll end up with one. Oh, because you know, I see. Oh, first of all, Wing Chun. Wing Chun. I would want to be a Wing Chun master. Great. Then I would want to be, I would want to, God, if I could just wake up tomorrow Mm -hmm. and just know like Castilian Spanish. (laughs) Beautiful. That would be really great. romance language. Yeah. Like that would be, can I make that like a a multi answer? Like if I could just be multilingual. Sure. Absolutely. That would be the best thing ever. Me too. Me too. Me too. And then the other thing is I would love to be able to, like I'd love to be able to wake up tomorrow and be able to frame a house. Yes. Like I don't know how to do any of that stuff. Yes. Do you know what I, you know what I mean? Yes. Like the, the, I'm not handy like that. And my brother-in-law built the deck in the back of my house and he f- frames houses for living. And to it's me, satisfying on such a different yeah. level. It seems so feeling. extraordinary like to be able beads. to frame a house. Yeah, I totally yeah. agree. Beautiful, beautiful. Um, all right. Uh, you could decide not to answer this if you don't want to, but uh, one of the key notes of MASH um, in uh, back in the day, this is just all spinning off of like, in the, in, in the day, uh, we used to play MASH. It used to be like, what kind of car would you drive? How many kids would you yeah, have? Yeah. What da 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 One of them, a central carryovers can be someone, it can be three people that you had a crush on when you were uh, mm-hmm, a mm-hmm. teenager or just people that you have some sort of, even it's like a talent crush, but it's sort of the crush category of three people mm-hmm. that you sort of have a crush on. Um, in high school, there was, a, there was a girl in high school that I never got to date that I had a crush on and her name is Mariela Gomez and, um, and I don't know, so much as much as much about how kind she was as anything else mm. there was mm. you know what i mean that that's kind of it for me like i i am a i love beauty but but it's uh you know, like i can look at a human being and appreciate their symmetry mm-hmm. um oh you know what i was even going to say you could this could expand out too to like a character in a film or a, or a book oh, like sure. it's not the actor sure, but sure, it's sure. like yeah. the essence of for me, almost any any Emma Thompson char- er, character, right, like right, you I just get you. that sort you. of like, oh, the richness of that person. I, I want to spend that. time with this person. The should I put Mary Marielle on here? Yeah, because it's kind of a, it's kind of an archetypal thing about people that I you know. Yep. I'm trying to think, because this is, I mean, I love. Yeah. 
Oh God! I just saw Get On Up the other day. I haven't seen it yet. I really and I and, and I hap- and I had the, the the good fortune at the Emmys to meet Viola Davis. Oh, amazing. that woman! Yeah, she destroys me. Yeah, like destroys me in the yeah. best way. And um, and I said that to my friend. We saw the movie. My friend, she then said to me, she said, "That woman wrecks me." We were say- we were <laughs> we were coming to each other at the same time to say the exact same thing to each other. Yeah, and um. Another character that I just I'm trying to think, the person that came to my mind right now. No, that's not true. I'm saying that. No, that's not. That's not what it is. I'm trying to think, who really gets me? Well, I loved. I'm going to think of something that's more perfect later. But that's how this game always goes. Yeah, that's improv, baby. Because I'm thinking about things that I know would sound good and, and, are, and are partially true. Right, right, right. You know, like Chaunce, Chauncey Gardner from being there. Right. Or or the priest that Robert De Niro plays in in um, the mission. Mission. Um, Talk about getting wrecked. But it's not those. It's... Who did I see the other day? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I don't know if you've watched this. Been watching... This is what... This is what... I don't know if you've watched this movie called The Honorable Woman, this television show called The oh, Honorable Woman. Oh, is that the Maggie Gyllenhaal? I haven't seen it yet. Oh, no. Do I need to see it? Is it going to completely destroy me? to stop this interview so you can go... Oh, my God. Okay. All Maggie right. well, Gyllenhaal as uh, Nessa. Her character's name is Nessa Stein. Oh, Amazing. my God. I've never... I've just never seen her so good. Oh, God. Okay. I like yeah. Maggie Gyllenhaal a lot. Yeah. But she is transcendent in this. Oh my god! Just, just transcendent. Okay. And then you know what? I'm gonna take Mariella off there. Okay. I have a friend. Uh, his name is Ryan Carlson, and he is one of the. He might be one of the top three actors I've ever seen in my life, and he's a dear, dear friend. And as I'm speaking to you, my heart hurts that i can't be with him right now i'm he's as much i mean between him and my best friend larry Mm. i i it's as close as i can talk about being in love with Mm. a person that i'm platonically right right you know what i mean like he he hurts me i love him so much and and and, and, and part of it's his talent but part of it is just i i just i adore him I and just like, adore him. How lucky to get to feel that about someone. Oh, and yeah. to me that's there's a whole other I mean there's a whole other podcast episode but I feel like one of the benefits of aging uh and whatever wisdom, you know, uh, enough we to know the unwise yeah. or whatever, but um is is kind of coming closer I think every day to the understanding that like the gift of loving someone is truly just being able to have that feeling. It's not even getting it back. It's just the gift of like that intimacy and that feeling of like, I'm so lucky that I love someone this much. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 I I really, there are times too when I, uh, there's, there's sometimes there are times when I just, this is a different experience because you spend, you know, I've been married, I've been married 16 years. So you spend a t- amount of time with this person, you know, but there are times when for no reason that I can think of, I just get swept away by who my wife is and the fact that she's in my life and that your life, you look at a bride, your bride, or you look at your boyfriend or girlfriend, whoever you're, 
a paramour than you're in your life. And it, that person also allows you to see all the different ways your life could go. But the, the beautiful, beautiful thing about being in love is you don't regret that. Right. You don't have any regrets about that. Right. You know, but my friend Ryan, he, he just holds a very special place in my heart. And I, I was having dinner with a friend when I was back in Michigan with my mom and my brother. And uh, I, I went to help go have dinner with a friend. And then Ryan was there. He's working at the restaurant. And I, it was, I was like giddy. You know, he's, I, I feel that way. I also feel that way about, um, I, um, it's not as strong as intensive feeling, but I feel that way about, uh, uh, I feel that way about Sam Rockwell. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Like Sam and Amazing. I are acquaintances and we know each, you know, we, we have not spent enough time together to be friends, right. but if we had the time, if we could afford the time to spend together, we would be dear friends. Sam Rockwell and, and Rob Corddry and Rob Corddry's wife and Sam's girlfriend, Leslie Bibb and, and my wife, I can't, I, I just, I want to eat them. I want yeah. them in my body yeah. you know what I mean I just I it. it's yeah I get it they're the I the just best. love I know that feeling and I just think that we're all we should all be so lucky to feel that way about people and and I encourage everyone to not be afraid to just be in love just with be in friends. love with something yeah. yeah I yeah, mean yeah, you yeah. know what I mean I totally yeah. agree all right I've got to move through this this is the best ever um okay the last category is going to be uh 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 you can um transport yourself to any time and place could be a historical event could just be an era um and just kind of be a fly on the wall and sort of observe it in a way that you wouldn't get to in real life i would love to live i'd love to be able to live knowing there'd be no disease or, or yes, trouble correct. you're safe you're all safe love to live on a boat that somehow goes from the parbury coast to like north carolina mm. in the 1720s i would love to be a pirate Great. You know what I mean? Great. Or a privateer, you yeah. know? Um, and then um, I'd also love to be able to kind of, it would be lovely to be like, I'm thinking of the era of, you know, like salons, not the enlightenment, but like Dorothy Parker. Yep. You know what I mean? And, and yeah. sit around with those people and listen to their razor sharp wit. And then I'd also love to know what it was like to be, I'd love to just be a groundling. At the gro- at the globe, you know, Great. what would that be like to be oh, a groundling? Like you're like like 1598 uh, and watching. Uh, uh, I'm getting my my theater history right now. I can't remember who was alive first, Garrick or Burbage, but to be able to watch one of them perform, you know, you have to take those opportunities for in it your to life. be fresh for all of the stuff that to, we that not, has informed so much of our contemporary artistic culture. Exactly, it's brand new, it's fresh, yeah, it's could, crisp. Could you it's, imagine seeing? It has to be something like seeing Star Wars. Yeah, to, if it's 1601 and you're just going to see Hamlet, right. I'm going to go see Hamlet. <laughs> what are you guys doing Shakespeare's, tonight? What are you guys doing? Eh. I'm going to want to go to see Hamlet. I might skip it. Yeah. I don't like Ed, you know, right. Edward Norwich. Right, right. I don't like him. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm bringing a, a bag of tomatoes. Tomatoes. How about you? You know? Yeah. And so like, like, what would that be like to yeah. have that experience to see Burbage act or you jump 200 years in the future and see, see, see Ira Aldridge act or, you know, I'm a theater geek. So like, I'd love to be able to see 
Sir Herbert Beerbohm Tree Act or Henry Irving. I, I mean, what was it like to be on Broadway Absolutely. in the 1850s and 60s and Absolutely. see people perform? It would be crazy. I love it. I yeah. love it. I love that one. Okay, real quick. Um, I'm just doing this little quick thing and you just tell me when to stop. That's okay. all. Could be fast or slow. Stop. Okay. Okay, I'm pausing this. A minute. Sure. I announce this. We're done. Gotcha. All right, I'm very excited to announce to you your 100% guaranteed MASH future. A lot of great stuff going on here. You really have some great stuff to look forward to. I want to congratulate you on. I want to congratulate you on your apartment in Sri Lanka. Oh, dear. I don't even know how that's a thing, but uh, you have a beautiful apartment in Sri Lanka. Uh-huh. Um, this this is actually this is a handy thing that you wake up tomorrow having for that reason, uh, for actually several reasons. But uh, you wake up tomorrow completely multilingual. Oh boy, that's terrific! So f- I encourage Thank you to God. communicate with as many people yeah. across the world as, as, you, as you can. As I please. It's delightful. Uh, I also want to say I'm a big fan of your music, uh, your musical, The Dog Man. <laughs> I don't even know how that works with dogs on stage. Are yeah, we seeing dogs well, we pack yes, on stage? We do or have we, dogs we, on stage. Are we doing like cats where it's like <laughs> there well, people I was dressed thinking as dogs? About actually having dogs on stage. I'm into it. Yeah. I'm into it. I almost want to see like a transparent, like a net <laughs> between <laughs> that they can't, they wouldn't be able to. Anyway, uh, it all takes place in a giant net on stage. Um, uh, that sounds like a fairly exhausting role. I want to reassure you that when you want to relax afterwards and just have a giant piece of key lime, <laughs> that is ready and waiting for you. Um, I also feel like these two kind of somehow work together, but I don't know how. Uh, your soundtrack of the original Eagles music mm-hmm. that is just keegan eagles music keegan eagles, eagles music, the yeah. keegles the keegles uh, <laughs> um and the fact that you are able to jump into an experience uh that get it all over you that feeling from days of heaven it's just oh, all yeah. over you um and then uh i think that only leaves the fact that you also were able to travel through time and be a pirate mm-hmm. in the 1720s barbary coast north carolina and i will say that you are also very blessed to be sharing all of this as much as you want with your very very dear friend ryan carlson that's so sweet right that's the sweet that's thing that's a great future right there that's look a, at that imaginary lovely land yeah 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 um thank you so much for doing the podcast the final piece of this yeah. puzzle is that i have been forcing all of the guys who have done uh, my boys of summer series since mm-hmm. it's unique and i will be returning to women you're the last man right the last dog the last, man the last dog man uh is to sing a snippet of don henley's boys of summer oh wait a minute okay i don't even really care if you remember the real lyrics wait, wait a minute i got to think of, wait a minute how does the chorus he I goes can see the you. last thing the last it starts out it starts out the score starts out i can see you your brown skin shining in the sun oh yeah you got your head thrown back and your sunglasses on baby i can tell you my love for you will still be strong after the boys of summer have gone As always, the JV Club theme song is Back Before We Were Brittle by The Amazing Say Hi.
Now leaving Nerdist.com.